So I just had this thought, and it's it's still in my head, so I'm going to try to get it on rec- recording. A lot of people interpret the phrase, find yourself, as a way of looking for your profession, you know? Because a lot of people would consider me lost. I would consider myself lost. But, but a lot of people would say things like, he's finding himself. Because I dropped out of college and I moved to a new state. And people will say, he's just finding himself. But interpret it in a way that means he's still looking for a way to make money in life. And that is so strange. But if you slightly alter that phrase, finding yourself, and rephrase it as I am trying to understand myself. I think that'll make a huge difference on the way that phrase is thought of. Cause when I when I say I'm trying to understand myself, I'm not I'm not looking for a profession. I'm just trying to become more introspective and understand my own nature. I'm not finding myself. I'm understanding myself. I'm already here. I f- I'm not lost. <laughs> I'm not finding anything. I'm, I'm fucking here. The only thing that is lost is a complete understanding of why I do the things I do. And, you know, just words we use has a huge impact on... The way we interpret the world. And I used to be that person. I used to be the one that would say, I'm finding myself. I was I was saying that five years ago when I moved to Colorado. Because I I I at the time I said I postponed college, but I dropped out of college. I'm not going back to college. Get over myself. But, you know, I brought it up once you know he said yeah it seems like you're trying to find yourself because that's a strange thing like a lot of people interpret life by their position in life like the way they make money that's really strange a lot of like especially the middle the the boomers you know they they really see life like that like what is what do you do and the thing you do is your identity you know that's you finding yourself he you found your calling your life's task there there is some merit to that for sure but it seems weird to go at it like People don't, a lot of people don't interpret finding yourself as a spiritual journey. They, it's kind of looked at in the lens of the business world. And that's weird because it's all a myth. Like the idea of working for a business or a corporation, you're working for an entity, like an invisible thing. A thing that isn't real in nature. There is nothing objective about a business. There's nothing objective about a corporation. 
It's all, it's an intersubjective reality. It's only real because everyone says it is. What the fuck is a Google? Like, a poodle isn't aware of Facebook. They don't understand the value in Uber. You know, all they know is over by that tree, there's a water source. And I can nourish my body with this water over by that tree. That's all you need to know. Essentially, all you need to do in life is eat, live, and fuck. And essentially, that is what humans are doing. But we're, we're doing it in a very strange way. It's a very creative way. But this, this, is, this is a weird digression. You know, it started off as talking about the phrase looking for yourself. Now we're talking about corporations being a myth. But the older I get, not really, not the older I get. I just had this thought today. But now that I have this thought, it's going to bug me. But like from now on, I don't like that phrase, finding myself. That only because the way most people interpret it is looked at in a business lens. And I don't appreciate that. But I, I do, I can definitely work with the phrase, I'm understanding myself. I'm looking to understand who I am. And I think as you do that, the quote unquote finding yourself comes naturally. The more you understand who you are, what you do as a profession will show up naturally. And I guess some people do see it that way. You're finding yourself. You're looking into you. Some people, sure. But it's still like the ultimate lens they're looking at is like, what are you going to do to get a job? You know, what's your career? Have you thought about joining the army, John? No. I, I, yes, I have. But no, I'm not going to. Um, yeah. That bugs me. Because... Whenever you look at it through that lens, it's you're not going to find yourself if that's the way you're looking at it because you're not realizing that you 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 have to ignore the business aspect of it. You can't because that's when you start forcing things. That's when people feel pressure to go in a line of work. Oh man. That's so weird to me how people go to college and change their major three different times, three or four different times. Like you're seriously fucking just dabbling with all of these future scenarios. That is so strange. Like you're just flirting with the thought. I'll be this. You know what? I'm going to be that. Like what in the fuck, dude? This is the next 40 years of your life and you're just dabbling. Well, I guess, you know what? I take that back. That's actually probably a responsible thing to do. That's probably good that you're dabbling, changing your major four different times. Maybe each major you start to, you slowly become 
attracted to what you find good. But a lot of people don't do it that way. They do it because the first major was hard. There's a certain class you had to take that you didn't want to. So you said, fuck that. I'm switching majors. That's where it gets weird. Because you're not really... You're not really choosing your future. You're just gratifying yourself by taking easier classes in the like in your current life and that's going to dictate what you do for the next 40 fucking years of your life dude what the hell um yeah that wasn't me i dropped college thank god and you know that could easily be just as bad worse even but i think i have a good head on my shoulders I don't know where this is going to take me. Things are very uncertain. And. Yeah. The problem with dropping out of college. And trying to succeed. The old fashioned way. Actually I guess college would be considered the old fashioned way. But. Trying to succeed outside of college. It is. Harder to keep track of your progress, you know, because when you go to college and you pick a degree, you pick a major, whatever, you you can follow your progress fairly easily. You know, you got to make meet this many credits at the end of the semester and. Once you do that, you, you rank up, you go to this class, and you just keep doing that. You keep getting promoted to a, a harder class to take, and eventually you have your degree, yada, yada. Like, that's those are easy steps to observe, and I that's very attractive for people, too, you know? It's very easy to watch yourself progress because it's it's all, it's happening in these steps, these these very specific steps are happening. And once you finish all the steps, you get your degree, your diploma, whatever the fuck. But outside of college, those steps, you're, you're sort of making your own steps. And no one else is watching these steps. You can't really tell them, yeah, I did this thing. Now I got to do that thing and this thing. No, it, it's more you, you study, you do the work. And eventually it should pay off. If you if you take the right steps, you know, it's hard to know if you're even taking the right steps. You could be wasting your time in one area and not even realize it. I guess that happens in college, too. But it's more observable in college. It's, it's much easier to keep track of your progress. It is very hard to measure your progress outside of college if you're really trying to find success. And whatever the fuck it is. It's just hard to measure it. Um, but yeah. That's, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to find success outside of college. I'm continuing to read books. I'm continuing to study and do the things I need to do. And there's definitely progress. Mentally. Mental progress. You know. I know a whole lot more than I did a month ago. I don't exactly know if I'm taking the right steps, 
but I do know my head is filled with more skill and knowledge than it once was. And I think as long as I'm on that route, as long as I'm knowing something the next day, if it's just 1%, if I progress by 1% a day, that is 360% at the end of the year. So that's something, right? It's hard to measure percentage, but Naval talks about it's not about the time you put in the work. It's about the iterations. It's about the different ways of approaching the same problem and figuring out what's more effective and yada, yada. Obviously, the time is important, but it's the iterations. You know, you could be doing the same thing for 10 hours, getting the same results, or you're going to be doing different things for two hours and getting various results and different things. You're getting data. You get more data that way. You find out what works. You find out what works better. You find out what still works, but not as well. You find out what could work, but is continuing to fail and what doesn't work at all. You need the iterations. You need different ways of approaching problems. Man, I'm getting long-winded. How long have I been talking? 13 minutes. Wow. This might be a podcast. Um, yeah. Uh, I've been doing a lot of self-talk lately. And I'm learning. Like, like so I, I started off talking to myself in the living room. And if, at first I was getting some good input. I was thinking a lot. I was getting thoughts I forgot I had. And after a while, it started getting boring and repetitive. And I was having a lot of nights where I was not talking. But that's not the goal, you know. I tell myself, I'm I'm not going to force myself to try to have a monumental moment every night. I can't have an epiphany every freaking evening. It's just... It, it, it's just... Eventually, you're going to run out of things to say. And that's kind of what happened in the... Sorry. That's kind of what happened in the living room. But I I changed up the room. That's something I did unwittingly. I just started talking to myself in my room instead of the living room. And I've been having some great nights lately. Last night, I bawled my eyes out. I had a, a therapy session with myself. And I cried... Like, I've never cried in years. And it was so beneficial for me. It was amazing, honestly. It it was the realest moment I had with myself in a long time. And I know it was real because I could not hold back these tears. They just came. They It mule kicked me in the fucking face. I could not control these tears. Uh, I won't get into why I cried. But it was something that needed to happen. And I, Yuval, Yuval Noah Harari and a lot of other meditators I would listen to talked about how, you know, it's very important to know yourself. And eventually you may find that there are some things you don't like to know. You, you just would rather not know it. But it is important nonetheless. That's my impression of Yuval Noah Harari. 
If you ever look him up on YouTube, you will know that is a spot-on impression. He's Hebrew, or Israeli, or whatever. <laughs> Hebrew is like a language, isn't it? But I, whenever he said that eventually there's going to be a moment where you're you're going to find out some things about yourself that it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to reminisce some thoughts that you kind of been bottling up, ignoring, denying. But once you really become, once you get better at knowing yourself, you stop bullshitting yourself and old thoughts begin to show up and you don't run from it. You face it. And there was a thought. There was this old memory that before it would pop up. I never ignored the thought. I mean, maybe I ignored it. I never denied it. It was a thought that when it, you know, we all have a memory where we're having a good time. And it just pops up out of nowhere like a zit. And it, you, it just kills the mood. And this was one of those memories. But last night I decided I'm just going to go further into this memory. I'm going to dissect it as accurately as I can from how I remember it. And as I kept doing that, out of, almost out of nowhere, I felt it coming but I, I kept pushing forward anyway, and it, eventually I hit this threshold, and I cried like a huge baby. And I cried good <laughs> for like 10 minutes. You know, the, the, the works. My nose was running, and it was clogged at the same time. I, was, I couldn't get words out because I was just... <laughs> it was a full-blown cry session and I haven't had an experience like that in years years and it was amazing to realize that this is the first time I've cried like this in a long time I rarely cry like that when someone dies so that's a big moment a lot of people would say like why are you making yourself cry because it's important. It is liberating. You are allowing yourself to just let go of these things and really confront them full force. And occasionally you're going to fucking cry. But that's how you know it's working. You know, if you're not crying, you're not digging deep enough. But maybe you, you, you all had good childhoods. <laughs> I had some moments that, you know, I was a particularly vulnerable kid to begin with. So a lot of moments were extra severe to me. I interpreted them more extreme as they probably should have been interpreted. So that's why. I cried like a baby, but I loved it. I loved that I was able to have this session because I didn't force myself. And what was funny was, and maybe an hour before that happened, I was talking to myself saying, 
I haven't had a good cry in a while. You know, there's never been a like things I would cry to previously were things like in a movie. Sometimes a very climactic song might make me cry like a beautiful choir. Things like that. Things that are sweet or sad in movies and cinema, just entertainment. I've cried to that. But it it was more like a, a single tear coming out of the left eye. Things like that. Maybe a little red nose. Kind of cute, you know. But no, this was a full-blown ugly cry. Just That was hideous. But I was telling myself, I cry to these... I cry to art. You know, if it's beautiful enough, I'll cry. I cried to the Grinch one time. Not one time, it was two nights ago. Because it was sweet to see him be friends with everybody at the end. But... I never cried to something personal. That's not true. I I have cried. Uh, I cried when my dad died. I was really young. It took me like two weeks to actually cry. Because I didn't emotionally... It didn't register in my head until later. Like two weeks later. And that's when I cried. I realized, oh wait, he's dead. He's not talking to me. Uh, I cried a few times when a close friend or relative died. Not too an extreme, though. It was sort of held back. But this cry, like, a cry like this, like last night, that was one for the books. Because I'm I I'm actually having a hard time remembering when I cried like that. It was a long time ago. A long time ago. So it was a big night for me. I count that as a successful night of self-talk, of therapy, because I came to understand myself a whole lot better after that. And I, I, it was a milestone. I finally understood what Yuval was talking about. When there's going to be moments where you're going to have some uncomfortable conversations with yourself. And who knows what demons you might pull out of the closet. And it, it's, you know what, I'm probably making it sound darker than the actual thing it is. It, it's something that's common among a lot of people, but to me it hit it hit harder because I was vulnerable. So growing up, it it just hit me differently, and it all it was something that always lingered in my head, and I just wanted to really let it go, and I did. Pretty sure I did. But yeah. Man, I I talked for 23 minutes. It started off as a thought, so I wouldn't lose it, referring to people saying, find yourself, understand myself. But now this is a full-blown podcast. So maybe I'll I'll post this. It's been a while since I posted it. So maybe. Cool. Awesome. All right, cool. I'm done. See ya.